Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. Good. All right. So as Sam said, my name is Craig Panko. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, like most of you. Uh, this is an interesting tidbit. So I was born, my, my mom held off. It was Halloween evening. And she was very, very pregnant with me. And she held on tight and made sure I didn't get born on Halloween. And November 1st is All Saints Day. So raise your expectations, okay? <laughs> So as Sam said, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Julia, age withheld, it says in my notes, and father to Lucy, 12 years old. I'm a pastor with the Foursquare Denomination. I actually have my pastor's license with Christ-Centered Community Church right here. And uh, my wife and I, we've hosted a house church for the last three years. So um, as Sam said, I'm the president of Pacific Rim Christian University. Higher education for a higher calling. Visit packgrim.edu for more information. All right. And as you might not have guessed, I am a badminton champion. And I'm a really one of the most important things is I'm a proud alumni of Kingdom Living Oahu. So I don't know if I've started yet, but let me just move on to this other start. So I'm a big fan of Hungarians. We have any Hungarians in the house? All right, Hoodwood. All right. So my, my father-in-law, I married a Hungarian, and now my, my father-in-law happens to be a Hungarian. His name is Pichu. Pichu. It's a fun name, yeah? And so he always is complaining that his wife tells stories, and they just take forever because she starts from the very, very beginning. Uh, like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you guys aren't married yet, you might find that out later. But to honor Pichu, and for time's sake, I won't go back quite that far. So in the Garden of Eden, the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die as written in Genesis 2.17. So here's my question for the Reunion Church, the best church on the island. When Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit, did they die? Okay. Did they die, right? Interesting. So I heard a lot of different answers, most of them wrong. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so did they die? Yeah, they died eventually, like, is that really a bad punishment? I'm going to do whatever I want, and I'm going to die eventually. No, they did die, right? So God wasn't lying. He wasn't, he wasn't exaggerating. They did die, right? They died in what capacity? Spiritually, spiritually right. So they, I shouldn't be that excited about it, but yes, they, they spiritually died. And so since then, everyone born has been born spiritually bankrupt or spiritually dead, stillborn. I could go on. But thank God. Do you know what happened next? Jesus Christ. Yes. All right. So he lived that perfect life that Adam and Eve weren't able to. He saved us and defeated sin and death, and he reconciled us back to the Father. When you believed and were born again, you were saved. You were sozoed. 
Right, Elijah Pyrrhic? You took Greek, you got an MDiv from Pacrim, you know all about that. So let's go to the first slide, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is one of the key verses, right? So we all know this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, right? And so the, the, the question is, is were you actually born again? Okay, a couple people think they got the answer, right? And so, but how were you born again? The answer continues to be spiritually. Great job, all right? So, as Nicodemus asked, right, he said, what, what, am I, what are you talking about, Jesus? Am I supposed to crawl back into my mother's womb? Right, so it was confusing, and so I don't blame you for not getting the answer right, most of you, but it's, it's Jesus said, truly, I tell you, you must be born again. Right? And so he's talking about how can you be spiritually reborn. So if your body, <clears throat> so if you're not born again in your body, you're reborn in your spirit alone, right? Unfortunately, we cannot use our human senses to touch, to taste, to feel our newness of our spirit. Many times this leads to doubt, which leads to unbelief as we try to walk out the Christian life. So just in my own experience, right, maybe you guys can relate to this, right? So I, I went to New Hope, and I, I went, I've been a Christian for a pretty long time. I wasn't a big-time Christian until recently. But uh, how many of you guys was like, um, with all your eyes closed and your heads bowed, please raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, right? You know what I'm talking about? You can even do it now if you feel so led. All right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and that's great. But to me, that was more of like the gospel of salvation, right? And now what? I, if, if being saved was the goal of the Christian walk, then what else? Now I'm just holding on for dear life and trying not to swear quite as much, right? Like, and so, of course, then you backslide and you, and you get faulty thinking. And, that, and that's what happened to me. And that was part of my story. So what I'm going to teach on today is talking about the, um, that you have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. And so this teaching really helped give me revelation to understand that I was saved for more than this, right? And so how I would word it is, is in, in the, the enemy's plan, right, is to kill, steal, and destroy, Right? And so for those people before all of us, we were pre-Christians probably at one point. I think Sam was born a Christian, but everybody else was probably had to like work up into it. He was called before his mother in his mother's womb, right? But um, we, we um, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, but it was probably good. <laughs> all right, let's go back. Yeah, so let's just go on to the next slide. <laughs> all right. Very good. So in 1 Thessalonians, here's what it says. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through that your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so when we talk about uh, the soul, the spirit, and the body, most of us say, okay, well, where's that in the Bible? Boom. It's right there. Okay, so the, the, the challenge of it is, is that we can't physically sense our spirit, but we're well equipped and we're well aware to know what our body looks like, right? So it's like that, um, you know, like that antacid commercial. 
<laughs> this is our body, right? So we all have a body. We're pretty aware of that. And then our soul, right? So the, the, let's, the body is the physical part of you. The soul, anybody have a good definition for what your soul is? Wow, those are Kingdom Living students. That's really good. So yeah, that's a good way of saying it, right? So it's your, your mind, your will, the emotions that you have. The simple way of putting it is, is it's your personality, right? It's like what makes you, you, okay? And then we have, uh, then we have uh, let me say this first. We live in a constant awareness of our body and soul. The body can be hurt physically and the soul emotionally. We understand these components well, but most of us, the spirit is more of a mystery. Many people are confused and mix up the heart, soul, and spirit, or think they're just different words for the same thing, right? Have you guys went through that? It's like sometimes you read the Bible and you're just like, oh, the heart and the mind and where all oh, this flows from, and it's, it's a little bit confusing. So for me, I, I'm, hopefully by the end of this, it won't be confusing for you. <laughs> all right. So I have a, a verse here from James that I don't have a slide for, but... It's very simple. It says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So your spirit is, the, the, uh, your spirit is life, and it's the part that God communicates with and in which all his power flows. Okay, so here's a question for you all, since you're doing so great. How do you know what your spirit is like? You know what your body looks like. You have a pretty good understanding of what your personality is like, but how do you know what your spirit is like? It's tough. Luckily, I'm here, guys. <laughs> it, the radiance of God. Wow, that's a better answer than I had. I should type that in quick. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the, the only way is God's word, right? This is like Sunday school. Spirit, Jesus. Bible, right? You guys are doing good. Word of God. It's as simple as read it, believe it, and by faith do what it says, right? So that's what the spirit is like. It's just you only can figure out what your spirit is like is by reading the word of God. It tells us what our spirit is like in the Bible, but there's no way of tangibly understanding or knowing what your spirit is like by our physical senses, and so typically that leads to doubt and worry and unbelief because it's not something that we see, touch, feel, those types of things that we're used to. Okay? So the next verse here is uh, 1 Corinthians. I think we have a verse. It is a long one. I should have got someone to come up and help me. Whew! All right. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That's, that's good. That's a good one. I'm glad I added that. All right. So in John 6, it says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. So let's say that, um, let's say that, let's pick on someone. KK, Kiki, are you there? Right? Okay, she's there. 
Kiki, you're there, right? You're right there. I see you, right? So when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Oh, good answer, right? So when we look, in, <laughs> when we look into the mirror, so here, here's a better question. Have you actually ever seen your face, Kiki? You have? Really? I, don't, I think you're wrong. Who else is over there? Pastor Gary, have you ever seen your face? You, you don't? Okay. Have you ever seen your head without an Alabama hat on it? <laughs> yeah. So he's, I think he's on to something, right? So when we look in the mirror, are we actually seeing our face? What are we seeing? A reflection. Good. You guys are so smart, right? So you're seeing a reflection of your face, right? And so we, after looking in a mirror for so many years, are we convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt that that's us, right? That's us. That's what we look like, right? But the reality of it is, is we've never actually seen our face. But we trust, we look into the mirror, and we trust what we see, right? So that's, that's our physical appearance of, of our body, right? And so just... Just like the mirror is a reflection of our body, the Bible is a mirror for our spirit. God's word is a perfect reflection of what spiritual truth is, yet most of us have doubts that what it says is for us. Okay, so is the whole word of God for you, Reunion Church? Yes. One more time. <laughs> Aloha! Okay. <laughs> is the whole word of God for you? Yes. All right, great. How about even the astonishing, almost heretical sounding verses as seen in 1 John? As seen in... <laughs> I, hopefully we have a slide for this. Okay, good. Whew. Thank you, tech team. You guys are awesome. I bet you're all wearing black, though. Okay, is this, this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Okay, everybody's silent. Uh, so, like you said, we believe the word of God, right? I mean, this is a pretty bold statement. If I were, I was going to say if I was in church up on the stage, but I am, in this world, Craig Panko is like Jesus. I mean, some people kind of will roll their... I got two amens out of 120, right? It sounds outrageous. It sounds heretical. It sounds like something I shouldn't say, but it's, it's in the book, right? And so if that's the mirror that I'm looking at, am I really like Jesus, right? Turn your attention to yourself, are you like Jesus? Okay. Check your body. Check your thoughts. Check your mental, emotional state. Does what the Bible say about you match your reality? Okay. For most of us, it, it does sometimes, but a lot of times it doesn't, right? And so it's easy to say, oh, yeah, that's what I believe. Right? But the reality of it is, is that sometimes doubts come in, right? 
And when we entertain those doubts, sometimes it turns and crystallizes into unbelief. And then we start making theology to match our experience and not what the Word of God says, the perfect mirror for your spirit. Yeah. So this is a six-minute video, and I'm not even joking. This is a six-minute video. I'm playing at church. This is through, by Andrew Womack, one of my um, favorite guys that explains the, the spirit, soul, and body. So if we have that queued up, we'll take a look at this video, and hopefully it'll help um, illustrate what I've been talking about. Right, there is a total transformation that has taken place on the inside of every person who becomes born again. Now you can see this in many places, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the scripture there says, If any person is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the next verse says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto God by himself. The Lord has totally changed you. It says old things have, past tense, passed away, all things, present tense, reality, right now, have become new. And all things are of God. Now, if you don't understand this concept of spirit, soul, and body, you are instantly setting yourself up for confusion and frustration and ultimately unbelief. Because you can tell by process of elimination that this is not talking about your physical body. If you were fat before you got saved, you'll still be fat after you get saved. Your body didn't instantly pass away and all things become new. And your soul is also not the part of you that got saved. Because if you were stupid before you got saved, you'll still be stupid after you get saved. If you were depressed, if you didn't know math before you got saved, you will still be depressed. And you just don't instantly know math after you get saved. The soul is not changed. So by process of elimination, you can say it's not your body and it's not your soul. And so that leaves your spirit. Your spirit is a part of you that got totally changed at salvation. When a person makes Jesus Christ their Lord, there is instantaneous change that takes place. And yet that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it isn't in process, but it's already done. It's an accomplished fact, a done deal. And if you don't understand that that change takes place in the spirit and has to work its way out into the soul and the body, then you are going to instantly come into unbelief and begin to say, but it didn't change. I'm still the same. And it may cause some people to seriously doubt whether they were ever saved, but your spirit is right now as perfect, as mature, as complete as Jesus is. But when you get born again, your spirit gets elevated. It gets recreated to where it's literally, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, that God sends forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's literally, when you get born again, your spirit passes away. The old spirit is taken out. It dies, is what the scripture says in Romans chapter 6. And God places within you the spirit of his son. That's what it says again in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. It says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, you aren't truly born again unless you receive God putting the Spirit of his Son in your heart. 
The spirit of Jesus has come to live inside of every born-again person. And your spirit and the spirit of Jesus have intermarried. They've merged. They've become one so that you are now a totally brand new person. And the identity and the holiness, the makeup of your spirit is identical to Jesus. John 4, 24, Jesus said this. He said, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He said you must worship him in spirit and in truth. So how can holy God fellowship with unholy man? Even at our very best, we still fall short of God's standards. Well, the way it happens is, is that when you put faith in Jesus, you become born again. And in your spirit, you become a brand new creature that is righteous and holy. You are as pure and holy in your spirit as Jesus is because it's his righteousness that has been given unto you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says that Jesus is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus has become our righteousness. And then as you get your soul in agreement with what is already transpired in your spirit, then you see the physical benefit. Your spirit has to flow through your soul to get into your body, into the physical world. The soul has a valve on it. And basically that is the function of your mind, your mental, emotional part, the soulish part of you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead already indwells every born-again believer. But if your mind is like a valve and if it's closed to that, if it doesn't embrace that truth and renew its mind and get to where what you see in the Word of God in the spiritual mirror, if that doesn't become more real to you than what you see in your physical mirror, then it's possible for this resurrection life that's in your spirit to be completely shut off, just like you would shut the valve on a faucet and you say, but I feel sick. My body hurts. The doctor says I'm dying. Here's my medical record. And if those things dominate you, that soul can shut off that power so that not one drop of God's life-giving power ever touches your physical body. And you can die sick having the resurrection life of God on the inside of you. And of course, you can apply that to every area of your life. You can have depression in you. You can have uh, anger and bitterness when the whole time in your spirit there is love, joy, and peace, as it says in Galatians 5.22. So the critical part of you is actually the soul. And the rest of the Christian life is renewing of the mind. And as we do that, then the physical body will experience the benefit. All right. Thank you, guys. So this, this really helped me and to go back to what I kind of forgot about before was the, the idea of the enemy, right? And so we feel like um, before, we were, before we're Christians, right? Like I said, Sam was never a non-Christian, but everybody else, we were the devil and his demons. Their full-time job was what? Before you're a Christian. Right. To prevent you, to do everything under their power to help to, to prevent you from realizing who Jesus Christ is, 
right? And we, once we find the truth and we put our faith that God gave us, he gives every man a measure of faith, right? And we decide, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ and not in myself, not in money, not in other things. Boom, we're born again and we have a, a new spirit, right? And then the challenge is, is that that's the Christian life for a lot of us. We're born again right now. We have a lot of years ahead of us, but then what, right? Does the enemy stop working against you now that you're born again? Not at all, right? Is his tactics the same, or do they change? Good. I think they change, right? So he cannot trick you, I mean, to give up your salvation, right? But what does he do? He comes after your mind, right? Like, there, there's throughout the Bible, right? Like, did God really say? Yeah, right? And so that happens to us. He attacks your identity. He attacks the word of God. He, he twists, takes a little bit of truth and makes it something else, right? And then we enter, we, this thought comes floating across our brain, and it's our choice whether we're going to entertain that thought or not, right? And so the enemy's job, now that we're born again, is to prevent us from walking in the fullness of who God created us to be and who we are, right? And so that, that's the, the ploy of the enemy. So really the whole Christian life is about surrender, trust, and the renewed mind, right? And it says that we have the mind of Christ together. But the reality of it is for most Christians, we're not walking in this because we say we believe it, right? We read the word of God. We say we believe it. But then something, for a lot of us, it doesn't, it doesn't come through. And the video, I think, did a great job of explaining that it's the mind, right? It's the mind that decides the reality that you're going to live in. And that's why it's so important to stare at the perfect law in the mirror of the word of God to know who you really were created to be and who you are. And so in the video, right, it talked about the, the spirit. Right? What, is, what is God like? Well, he's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He's signs, wonders, miracles, wisdom, and all of that amazing things, right? And so we see glimpses of that many times in our life. And so what, what one of the revelations that I got years ago was is that I always felt like the fruit of the Spirit as written in Galatians, right? It's something that you grow into, right? You guys follow me who feels kind of that way, right? And so... I didn't, I like, oh, I don't know about that, right? I always felt like, well, if Jesus is the fullness of joy, and he's the fullness of patience, and he's the fullness of kindness and gentleness, is it available to me even if I'm a new believer, right? And so I think one of the mindsets that the Lord wants to break off from someone today is, is that, for one, you have the fullness of self-control available right now. You have the fullness of peace available right now. It's not something that's going to grow like a grape grows over time. The reason it seems like the fruit grows is because of your ability to abide in the truth. But the good thing is, is that we can abide in the truth anytime we want, right? So we don't have to wait until we're 50, 60, 70 plus years old to be walking in the fullness of what God called you to be. And that's good news, Timothy. <laughs> that's good. I'm happy with myself. 
<laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's slide over to Romans 8, please. The greatest chapter of the greatest book in the Bible. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Right? So I think it's interesting that it talks about that the flesh, it's actually hostile towards God. Right, and so when your when your when your soul is coming into agreement with your flesh, you're not like just in the middle. You're actually completely hostile towards God. So can a believer be hostile towards God? Right, and how, what part of you decides whether you're hostile to God? Yeah, your soul, right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So that's the part that I wanted you guys really to realize. The flesh is like very obvious, right? The lusts of the flesh and, and the temptations that we have, right? And then the spirit, okay, that's a little bit more vague. But when we read the Bible, oh, yeah, that's, that's the spirit, right? I'm in the spirit. But ultimately, it's just where you're turning your affections, right? And there's so many words for it in the Bible, right? Abiding the anointing, the presence, right? And these are all just different ways of saying, it's like, are your eyes upon Jesus, right? Is your affection turned towards him? And you can enter, like, all of these things, it's just one millisecond away. The fullness of joy is one millisecond away, <laughs> right? Oh, that reminds me of a good story. My wife and I had house church the other night, and uh, the joy of the Lord came so strongly, and, and three of us were just rolling around, cracking up on the ground. And then I look over at my wife, and she was laughing really hard, too. And I said, hey, honey, that was so awesome. I'm so glad you participated in the joy of the Lord, and you were laughing. She goes, oh, I wasn't participating. I was just laughing out of embarrassment for you. <laughs> but that, that's just her cover story. She got the joy of the Lord, so she decided. She made her own decision that night to join in on the joy of the Lord. She was just trying to, she didn't want to be that big time yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So let's do a little recap, see if you guys were paying attention, okay? So from God's perspective, what do you think is the most important part of you? Your spirit, your soul, or your body? Spirit. The middle says spirit. How about the starboard side? Spirit? Spirit. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that I don't think that's the right answer. And let me tell you why. Stay tuned next week. Come back. No. <laughs> so from God's perspective, right, from your perspective, what's the most important? The spirit, right? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Before, before I was born again, I, used to, I met my wife at Gold's Gym. The body was very important back then, right? And then, you know, you got your soul, your personality. Oh, yeah, that's really important as well. But then we realize that we're sinful and we need a savior, right? And then we get born again. And without the spirit, we have absolutely no hope. We have no freedom. We have nothing, right? So from our perspective, the spirit is everything, Right. But I think just if you kind of just put yourself in God's perspective, right, he looks upon you. 
when he gave you his spirit, did he lose it himself? No. Did he have half as much or 97% of his spirit after he gave it to you in the fullness? Right. And so I would just challenge you to think that he actually, the most important thing in the entire universe to God is your soul. And what is your soul? It's you. It's your most authentic self, your sense of humor, how you think, who you really are, right? And so to think that God bankrupted heaven and, and went through all of that for your soul, it really helps me to realize the, the value of just being yourself with God, right? Years ago, I woke up and I had, a, had a, like a picture in my head and it said B, the letter B, and then the letter U, and then it said like W and a line M-E. And I'm like, oh, that's very weird. I, don't, I had to write it out. And it just said, be you with me. I'm like, I can do that, right? It's like, I can do that. And it got me excited to think that that's like as simple as God wants it to do. Just be you with me. And I think a lot of us, tonight, there'll be some of that broken off of you guys, where it's like, man, you're comparing yourself to other people, and you're thinking, oh, I got to do this or be this. Like, no, he, he came for your soul, and he just wants you to be with you. Yeah? You believe that? So your soul, your mind, your will, your soul decides the reality that you live in. Right, And so I, I know for a lot of us, we look at our circumstances and they become way more real than what the word of God's promises says for our life. And so I'm just challenging you guys to just, if he, you know, there's a song, if you said it, we believe it. Right, Rachel? You know that one? Yes. Just, that's a mantra for you. I don't know if you're supposed to have mantras as a Christian, but if you want one, if you said it, we believe it. Yeah, you're a man of your word. Okay, bring up, no, <laughs> all right. And so the, the, next, the next recap is, if we have the mind of Christ and we reject every thought that comes against what Jesus says we're about, right? So you, you have, we have the mind of Christ. I just look at it like whatever, this back screen, right? So if, we're, if this is our mind before we're Christians, what's going through our mind before we're Christians? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, probably. Something along those lines, yeah? Right? And so when the enemy comes, it, like, we're already thinking what he's thinking, right? Like, it's not, it doesn't surprise us, right? And all of a sudden now, we're born again. Now we have the mind of Christ, right? And hopefully we're not thinking about whatever I said before, right? And so uh, now... We have the mind of Christ, and it's the fullness of what the Spirit says about us, right? So here's a question. In the Bible, does it say that we should fear? No. So biblically speaking, is it okay for a Christian to fear? No. If a polar bear was chasing you, would God want you to fear? Yes. Well, you just said no, and then you said yes. What, what, what are you going to go with? Yes, right? But the reason it's not yes long term is, is that as fear floats through this screen, right? Okay, it reminded us. It's like a warning signal on a car's dashboard. Low oil. I better not ignore that. 
I was going to say something about Rachel Morley. I'm sure she doesn't pay attention to anything on her card screen there. But uh, oh, it's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Rachel. Sorry. I can't make fun of you. But, but as fear floats past, right, we, we recognize it. We turn to God. We pray. It's just like a warning indicator. But if we give that our full attention and it starts becoming a place of influence in our mind, then that fear turns into doubt, unbelief, right? And then we're cut off from the, tr the word of God for our lives, right? And so same thing. If a doubt goes past your mind, is that okay? Right? I don't think it's quite as okay, but it, everybody doubts, right? Do we have doubts about what God's promises are for our lives? Right? The challenge is, is that when we have that doubt, what do we do with it? Right? Do we say, hey, that's not what God has for me, right? You take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. But the problem is, is that sometimes we'll doubt, and then we look, the flesh, our circumstances, and we say, oh, that's true. That's the greater reality. And then that turns in, that doubt turns into unbelief. And with that unbelief, then we have the no life-giving power for that situation, so I'm just reminding us that we have the mind of Christ, and it's our responsibility to take these thoughts captive and make them obedient to what the Spirit says, okay? And so lastly, it's just like believe what the Bible says, right? And it's just repent quickly just to change your mind. Lord, that's not something that you would think, say, or do. And I'm sorry that I thought it. I'm sorry that I came in agreement with it. And I just turn my affections towards you to know that in the spirit, it's perfectly well, right? It's as simple as that. And so as we, as we wrap it up here soon, I just wanted to share this, this last part. And as I was sitting before service, I felt like, God, this was for some people in here, right? We talk about the love of God. What type of love does God have? Agape, perfect, what else? Unconditional, good, you win, you win a prize. Pack rim pen. Okay, so God loves you unconditionally, Kobe, all right? So, but it's interesting because we talk about, like, the unconditional love of God. Well, okay, well, that's probably pretty easy if you're God, right? And so sometimes we, we hear that as a person that's a Christian and say, well, God loves me unconditionally. All right, but does that really help you, Right? So what I want you to think about is, is that he, he doesn't, he, he's God. Wait, wait let, me, let me just rephrase this here. <clears throat> he doesn't love you unconditionally because he's God or he has to, but because he truly loves you. He loves your mind. He loves your will. He loves your emotions. He loves your soul. So I just want, if it helps, maybe you close your eyes. I'm just going to say this. And then maybe the um, ministry team can come up too. Yeah. So for some of you, I know that we have people um, that come from all messed up families. Maybe you were adopted or maybe you have like parents that were just kind of nasty to you. And it, and it caused some, some trauma in your life and really, really um, affects your relationship with how God could love you unconditionally. But this is what I wanted to share with you guys, right? God thought you up in his imagination. He moved heaven and earth to get your parents together with the perfect DNA needed to create you. 
He came to earth to save you because he couldn't imagine eternity without you. He died for your soul, who you are. And so there's, I know that there's people here that really have that feeling, for one, that they can't be their true selves. If people, if you really, if you really knew me, you'd feel this way. Your soul, who you are, to walk in that confidence that God created you to love you alone, to be you with me. If that stirs you in any kind of way, I want to make space here to pray and then to have you guys come up to receive um, prayer for that, to just be able to uh, feel the unconditional love of a father, to get set free from strongholds, mindsets, to know that in your spirit, it is perfect. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, if that's you, just come on up, and we're going we're gonna to close here in a moment, but just come on up for prayer. These guys, are, uh, they, they want to pray for you, right? So just come on up, please, and just receive prayer. If it's, it can be for anything, but the idea of it is, is that if you just want to touch from the Lord, who doesn't want unconditional love from the Lord, right? And so it's not just, and I want you to experience it in a new way. It's not unconditional because he has to or that's just how God is. He actually is just loving you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So I'm just going to stand here until at least some people come up because that's how I like to make people feel awkward. So, Solomon, you get up here. I heard you laughing. <laughs> Let the Lord love you, young man. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. So for those of you in the audience, I'm just going to close in prayer and, and uh, just trust. We're going to have some more time to do ministry and just believe. Uh, let the Lord do what he wants to do. Let the spirit flow. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this house, Lord, that um, there's just a, such a freedom here. Yeah. Lord, we just turn our eyes towards you. All of our affection. Behold the beauty of the Christ. Right now, let your mind come in agreement with every promise that the word says, that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are washed clean, that you are set apart that you're a royal priest, that there's a special song right now, if you listen close enough, that he's rejoicing over you with singing. And all of heaven knows the words. Do you believe that? Because all the good works and all the good deeds and all the things you desire to do can only be done out of that overflow of love, knowing who you are and who God is. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom and revelation 
so we can know you better. Can you sense his presence, his love, his adoration for you? So as we wrap it up here today, I just wanted to remind you that uh, this is an amazing move of God that's happening here at Reunion. And so I'm just so proud to be able to speak with you guys today, this evening, and just trusting that each and every one of you carry something that is needed here. So please continue to show up, to get involved, to use your faith and take risks, because he is the rewarder of those who diligently pursue him. So thank you, Reunion. Please stay for prayer and uh, get all that the Lord has for you this evening. Thank you, guys. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, Join us Sundays at 5, live at Kahalamal. Aloha.